welcome to the Smoking PTSD Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Diver. I am a survivor of suicide, a survivor of childhood emotional and physical abuse, as well as a veteran of the U.S. Navy and a retired first responder. I started this podcast to help me on my journey to wellness by sharing my story, my thoughts, and my experiences in a hope that my story will reach and help others and let them know that it's okay to not be okay. With that being said, I'm not a licensed mental or behavioral health professional. I'm just a guy who's been through some stuff and has experienced a trauma survival. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, medical treatment, or therapy. Always seek the advice of your qualified mental health provider with any questions you may have regarding any mental health symptoms, and never disregard professional help or delay in seeking professional advice or treatment because of something you have heard on this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review this episode as your comments can only serve to improve the content. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. So Today we're going to talk a little bit more about the link between PTSD, anger, and irritability. I know on a previous podcast uh, last October, I talked about anger a little bit, but I don't think I really directly correlated the anger and the PTSD together. So that's what I want to talk about today. And of course, since we're talking about anger, uh, we're talking about something that occurs in our amygdala. And just as a bit of a review, I'm going to read this sentence again. But the amygdala has been implicated in the generation of the most rudimentary and most profound of human emotions, including fear, anxiety, sexual desire, rage, religious ecstasy, or at a more basic level, determining if something might be good to eat. The amygdala is implicated in the seeking of love attachments and the formation of long-term emotional memories. So pretty much any time I'm talking about something that has to do with our brain and PTSD, I'm talking about the area of the brain called the amygdala. And while it's not very big in structure, it is huge in stature in the role that it plays in how we behave when we are exposed to certain stimuli. Now, the amygdala and the hippocampus are responsible for our fight, flight, or freeze, which is how we react to certain stimuli. Uh, If we're in a danger situation, do we want to flee it? Do we want to fight our way out of it? Or do we just freeze and we're so overcome with what's happening around us, we're unable to do anything? And thereby, we probably will just become a victim of whatever is happening around us again. So I found an article on verywellmind.com that I'm going to be referencing as I talk about this. And I want to find out who wrote it so I can give them the proper credit. So there's no general author listed. It's just, I guess, a group of uh, of people that work for this website, verywellmind.com. But this states that anger and post-traumatic stress disorder often occur together. Common in this condition, anger is one of of the hyper-arousal symptoms of PTSD and may affect relationships with people around you. So when we are in a hyper-aroused state, as we always are when we are living in our PTSD state, this is people who are not getting treatment for it or who are getting treatment for it but are not 
paying attention to the treatment, not following the plan that's been laid out by the therapist or the psychiatrist. And they are constantly in that hyper arousal state. These are the people that when fireworks happen, they're jumpy or a car backfires, they're jumpy or they hit the ground. Uh, and they're immediately back in the combat scenario that they had experienced that created the PTSD to begin with. When we're in our hyper arousal state, we are clinching the steering wheel when we drive. We're not listening to the radio. We're not paying attention to what's on the radio. We are, you know, if you ever had those instances where you're driving and all of a sudden 10 or 12 minutes have gone by and you can't remember a damn thing about those last 10 or 12 minutes, uh, that, that is you living in a hyper arousal state. And that's not a healthy state to live in because your serotonin levels are constantly being refilled and your brain is not giving your body and your body's not giving your brain a chance to relax. So your, your fists are clenched, your eyes are wide open, your mouth is dry, you're expecting a challenge, you're expecting some type of trigger to happen and you're looking for that trigger to happen. That is the hyperarousal state that we're talking about here. So after experiencing trauma, people frequently experience a variety of symptoms, including intrusive thoughts, hypervigilance, irritability, hostility, avoidance, anxiety, and depression. There are other challenges um, that I would say include trouble mem troubling memories, problems sleeping, and unhealthy coping mechanisms, as, as we've talked about in the past. That's your, your drugs, your alcohol, your unsafe sexual activities with unsafe partners, those types of coping mechanisms is what we're talking about. And when we're living in that constant state of anger and hyper arousal, those challenges become more challenging to manage. We are letting the hyper, hyper arousal state win. And we're not giving ourselves time to relax and a time, time to heal. We're angry at everything at work. We're driving to work angry. We're angry while we're at work. We're angry while we're driving home with work. Maybe we're fighting with other motorists. We're fighting with someone in the car with us. And then you get home and you're fighting with family members or friends or whoever uh, is in your life once you get out of work and you get home. So Brene Brown talks about this in her book, and she talks about the term chandeliering, which I find very interesting. And this is from her book, Rising Strong. And she calls, she calls chandeliering a reaction to something very minuscule or minute, and your reaction to it is to jump and hit the roof, basically. You hit the chandelier. So she says, one of the outcomes of attempting to ignore emotional pain is chandeliering. We think we've packed the hurt so far down that we can't pos that it can't possibly resurface, yet all of a sudden, a seemingly innocuous comment send us in sends us into rage or sparks a crying fit. Or maybe a small mistake at work triggers a huge shame attack. Perhaps a colleague's constructive feedback hits that exquisitely tender place and we jump out of our skin. It says, chandeliering is especially common and dangerous in power over situations. 
environments where because of different because of power differentials people with a higher position or status are less likely to be held accounted for flipping out or overreacting and i found that chandeliering to be very interesting in that i as i've spoken before when i have had road rage I, that's that's exactly how i am i go from 0 to 100 in a second i'm nice and calm and i'm fine driving long and all of a sudden something triggers and i'm I'm just flying off. I'm seeing red. My hands are tight. My mouth is dry. My eyes are wide open. And it's not a, it's not a boiling pot of water. It's, it's gradual. It's not a, you know, it's not a gradual pot of water that gradually gets, gets to the boiling point. I'm immediately instant hot water, instant 212. Um, And I think that's pretty interesting, the term chandeliering. I never heard that before and never assigned that to how I was feeling until I read her book there. So when we're in our hyper arousal state, we're going to be having difficulty concentrating, difficulty sleeping, irritability, and it's irritability at everything, not just, you know, that we all have that one guy at work that just irritates the hell out of us. That's, That's not what we're talking about. You are constantly irritated by even your best friend, your, your work wife, whatever you want to call them, is irritating to you. And we have hypervigilance. Like I said, we're, we're on the lookout for something, even though nothing may be there. The entire world around us may be innocuous. It may be a happy place. Maybe you're at a farmer's market or you're at a concert and everything is happy. Everyone's having a good time. But your hyperarousal state doesn't allow that. Your hyperarousal state makes sure that, that you're tense and you're constantly on the lookout for something. You're constantly on the lookout for something. While anger is a common response to these symptoms, there are ways to cope with each of these. And anger can be constructive at times, helping to motivate and fuel change. And I remember when I studied real hard or I thought studied real hard for my first promotional exam and I came out 14th, I was angry. And I wasn't angry in a rage sort of way, I was angry in a motivated sort of way. And I understood what I did wrong, how I didn't apply myself and I applied myself better the next time and end up getting promoted. But there are ways that anger can be helpful and there are ways that anger can be hurtful. People often primarily view anger as a negative or harmful emotion, but that's not always the case. It's true that anger can often lead to unhealthy behaviors like substance abuse or impulsive actions. Yet, feeling angry isn't always bad in and of itself. It's a valid emotional experience, and it can provide you with important information. You may have heard anger classified into two types. There's a constructive anger and a destructive anger. Constructive anger can help with healing, forward movement, and recovery, while destructive anger can cause harm. So if you're in therapy, and you and your therapist or your psychiatrist or you're in group therapy and someone is talking about or you're talking about your trigger points and you're getting angry, that's that's constructive anger because that's a normal emotion to be getting angry because when we're talking about things that we've done in the past, we're talking about shame and vulnerability again. And with shame and vulnerability, the close bedfellow is anger. And it's normal to be upset with yourself at times like that, but that's also when the healing begins, when you realize that your anger, your destructive anger needs to turn into constructive anger. 
And it says here that constructive anger channels negative emotions into actions. Like I said, I, I studied harder for my promotion. Your anger is manageable when it's constructive. It helps to resolve a problem and it can be healing. Destructive anger, however, involves lashing out spontaneously. Anger is often unmanageable, creates more problems, and increases stress levels. And there are numerous videos out there of YouTube videos and whatnot of police officers engaging with the public. And you can see that that person that the police officer is engaging with is just in a mental state that they are not understanding or seeing what's going on around them. And it just leads to more problems. That's destructive anger. Anger, as we know, related to PTSD can have a number of damaging effects. For veterans with anger issues, it can, t it can make returning to civilian life more challenging. It can also create issues with relationships, contribute to chronic stress, and lead to unhealthy coping mechanisms. Chronic stress in and of itself, when your cortisol levels are constantly at high levels, that, that has uh, systemic problems with uh, organs, including your brain and your heart and your kidney function. So it's not just your brain that is affected by this kind of stuff. So how do we deal with it? How do we get beyond it? For me, it took paying attention to my therapist. It took me understanding what she was trying to do with me and doing the work that I needed to do. Medication also helped. And there's a, this paperwork here. This paperwork here has a, a list of uh, four types of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, that are recommended for treating PTSD. Zoloft, Paxil, Prozac, and Effexor. And I started with Zoloft oh, probably eight or nine years ago and wasn't really feeling any effects of it. And it was making me a little bit more irritable. And I didn't, it had a couple other side effects with it that I didn't, I did not like. I don't remember exactly what they were right now, but I remember not liking them. So I talked to my therapist. Her name was Valerie. This was back in New Jersey and she recommended Effexor. So I started taking Effexor and very few side effects with that. Um, there was originally at the very beginning, some sexual dysfunction, uh, Difficulty getting an erection, but that passes very quickly. It only lasted a couple of weeks. And it's not like you become impotent. It's just that you need to work a little bit harder, pun intended, at getting the erection. Um, but after that, once my body got used to it, it was fine. Um, so that's what I'm taking now. I take 75 milligrams of Effexor and have been for eight or nine years now. It's been, uh, it's been quite a while. So if you're having some anger issues and some irritability issues and you're struggling with getting better, so to speak, even though you're doing the work that you and your therapist, maybe it's time to ask about taking medicine. I mean, it took me a long, long, long time to even ask about it because of the shame and the vulnerability that comes along with taking those types of meds. I mean, I know... 
when I was a paramedic in New Jersey, our, um, the program we used for charting to get the um, public information, to get the, the personal information, it didn't have a lot of options when there, when it came to uh, psychotic meds like that. So it was, you know, depression wasn't a choice. It was um, psych episodes. Hold on. These papers that I have here um, go into different types of examples of people that have PTSD and anger and, and what the, what the aspects of that are. But I think we all have a basic understanding of what it is that I'm talking about. So I I really don't think I need to read from this. When you have PTSD and you have those anger issues And unfortunately, you really can't have one without the other. You can have anger issues without PTSD, but PTSD without anger issues just doesn't happen, unfortunately, for for all of us. Uh, And if you're you're listening to this podcast, um, you've probably, unfortunately, have have some PTSD yourself. And I hope you're you're getting some help for it. But what happens with us when we are constantly in our fight or flight stage is inherently unhealthy. Not only is it unsafe to constantly be in that position, but it's unhealthy to have those serotonin and those cortisol levels constantly being as high as they are. And it has just a... a, deleterious effect on our body and our organs and our mind. So the link between PTSD and anger is not just one that is easily reconcilable. It's organic and comes from not only a part of the brain that is not easily understood, but a part of the brain that is not easily, you can't help it easily. And I don't know how else to, to express that. It's not easily healed. Uh, and I know when I, I've talked about doing the TMS that I did, and that, that has been probably the number one greatest thing I've ever done in my life as far as my depression and PTSD are concerned. Um, I'm a better person since that those sessions ended and I was one of the biggest skeptics out there that this is, this is snake oil. This is hocus pocus. This is nonsense, but it, it worked. It, it really freaking worked for me. So if you have the opportunity, um, go back a few episodes and, and listen to my conversations with, uh, Dr. Ross, uh, and her brother and, you know, find a place near you that does the the TMS treatment, and I think you'll be uh, you'll find that it's it's incredibly helpful. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Please rate, subscribe, and review, as your comments can only serve to improve this podcast. If you or someone you know are struggling with thoughts of suicide, please call or text the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at nine eight eight. 
Veterans can also call 988 and press 1 or text 838-255. You can reach me on Twitter at PTSD, on Instagram at smokin' underscore PTSD, or email me at Podcast at gmail.com. And please remember, everyone you meet is struggling with something you know nothing about, so please, let's be kind to one another.